I want to introduce, we've got, um, we've got a guest preacher who's, who's not, not much of a guest, but she is preaching this morning. Uh, it's her first time preaching at Christ City. We're really excited about this, but it's not our first time preaching at all. Dana uh, Cunliffe is going to be uh, bringing the word this morning. Dana has been a part of our church for a number of years, and she and her husband, Phil, they travel quite a bit. Phil serves with the State Department, and so they've been assigned to D.C. for the next year or so. And so while they're here, their desire is to invest in ways that God has led them. Dana has been a church planter and a pastor. She was born into a military family. She lived in 10 different places throughout the U.S., including England and Singapore. Uh, she settled down in Berkeley, California, uh, where she went to school and then later joined InterVarsity, was engaged in campus ministry there. What's that? Hey, go Bears. All right, we've got some California uh, Bears here in the house. Represent. Um, she was the founding pastor of Church Without Walls, where she served for 15 years until her husband Phil joined the Foreign Service six years ago. And since then, they've lived in uh, Nigeria and China and are now in D.C. for Phil's current assignment. They have two young adult daughters, and they're grateful uh, to Christ City for providing a spiritual home for them. We're grateful that you call this your spiritual home. Uh, so let me, um, I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to pray for Dana and ask that you uh, welcome her as she comes. Um, the passage that Dana's going to uh, preach from comes out of Genesis. Um, so I invite you to stand to reverence the reading of God's word. I'm going to begin in chapter 1, uh, verse 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. And God made the wild animals of the earth and every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make, hu make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals on the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image, and the image of God who created them, male and female who created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, See, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. And you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitudes. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise up from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 
Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the word of the Lord. Very kind of you. You know, it's not exactly true when Matthew said Phil and Dana have been involved in this church for years, because I'm sure some of you are like, I've never seen you before. Um, we, are, we are in and out a lot. Um, but I do want to say we came uh, one time in December 2013, when you guys were meeting at night, and, and, and you took up about half the space. There was maybe 10 of you. And, um, and we were kind of like, like, this is a cool church. You know, bummer we're leaving for Nigeria next week. But, um, but we kind of liked it. And then we came back in um, 2016. And we were here for four months after Nigeria and before Beijing. And um, joined a small group and got totally loved on by Drea and Race and a bunch of other folks. And um, so when we came back and said, we're going to be here for two years. Here we are, back at Christ City, and we're here. I can't say to stay. We never stay in the State Department, but um, it's just grateful to, we're just grateful to be with you guys. Um, so we are in this awesome series called uh, Theology of Place. I'm really enjoying it. Matthew spoke last week about um, the, the place that are cities, things that are, are built. Um, and I just want to, during that, the series, um, I just want to give a little movie plug. I'm going to give a few movie plugs. Um, partly because I love stories, and I like not just words, but I like the images. And so during this Theology of Place series, uh, my, oh, my husband Phil, is, we live together, because, okay. but, but my, brother, my brother Mark is also part of our household, so the three of us do a lot together, and he's gonna be part of this sermon. Um, but, but anyway, three of us uh, went to see a movie, and it's called The Last Black Man of San Francisco, and so if you need a, if you need a movie plug that fits, that fits with the Theology of Place series, this is the one to go see. Um, it is about the last black man in San Francisco. But yes, it's all about the city of San Francisco and how it's changed, and in terms of gentrification, there's a, 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 one of the guys lives in Hunter's Point, and there's a big scene about um, a preacher man preaching against the environmental um, destruction of Hunter's Point and the bunch of toxic waste that's been there and cleaning up and gentrification, all kinds of issues that fit to theology of place. It's a little bit artsy and a little bit slow, which means it won't be in the movie theater very long, so try to see it uh, soon. But I think that would be a great thing for y'all to do in the next couple weeks. So uh, Matthew spoke last week on built things cities. I'm going to speak today on unbuilt places. That is nature. Um, or creation, and what is commonly called within the church that they use the we use the phrase creation care, which I actually think is a really helpful phrase. I, I think I have an easy topic. I don't think any of you are going to disagree with me and say, "Oh, create oh creation, oh that sucks." Yeah, yes, you know, <laughs> or oh our environment's doing really fine. There's no problem there. You know, I mean, I I, I think. Um, Man, it's a big problem. I'm an avid Washington Post reader, and every single day there's at least one story, usually four or five, about some aspect of the environment that things aren't going well, either with pollution of uh, air, uh, soil, things can't grow, um, the water, well, you know, they keep having these frightening statistics about very soon there's going to be uh, more, more weight in the ocean in plastic than the weight of fish. It's bad. Now, I'm anticipating two reactions right now. Some of you, I think, are saying, this is awesome. I am so glad the church is talking about this topic. 
And I think other of you are, I am so irritated right now, and I can't believe you are talking about this. And, and let me explain a little bit. I want to get all the, all the barriers we might have to this topic out of the way. I think the first barrier that you might have is, don't we have some more important topics to talk about than creation care? I mean, you know, I'm this white lady from Berkeley, California. You know, it's like, oh, white lady problems. Anyway, you know, yeah, so for instance, um, Maybe it goes like this. Maybe you've experienced this. Like I have a, a friend who was on staff at a local Title I elementary school in our neighborhood, and she hated the PTO meeting where they had to, just, had to figure out what do you do with the discretionary funds. Because there was always one community that tended to be quite wealthy and mostly not all white, saying, we need more money on gardening and cooking classes. And then there was this other community, usually poor, often uh, representing kids of color, saying some of the kids in our community don't read at grade level. Could we spend the discretionary funds on literacy programs? Yeah, and of course, my friend is like, duh, it's a school, reading, literacy, let's do that. But there was always this other thing of like, the garden's so pretty, you know? It, and so you kind of wonder like, what, kids reading or a poppy? You know what I, what I mean? It can, seem, it can seem a little bit lightweight a little bit irrelevant, uh, especially when you compare it to issues like education, uh, gun control, immigration, political mayhem, and all of that. It just seems a little lightweight. So maybe that's one of your, one of your, uh, your, your issues with this. Another one is, is it really a church issue? I mean, is, aren't church, aren't we supposed to be all about Jesus and helping people come to know the love of Jesus and saving souls? Like, that's, that's really important. So why would, on earth would we put resources into um, creation care, right? You know, we need to save those uh, pagan tree-worshipping weirdos, not, not, you know, not join them, you know? <laughs> but, but I think actually the thing, the, mo the biggest problem that I think we have with creation care in the environment, at least I do, is I think it's absolutely overwhelming. Uh, is it already too late? You know, have we screwed it up so bad that, you know, who cares if we compost? You know what I mean? It's like, it's just overwhelming. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know about you, I look at that, you know, those photos of polar bears floating on a piece of ice in the Arctic, and I'm like, I, I, I don't know how to help. I, I, I don't know. Or I look at these pictures of, like, all this plastic waste washing up on shores in countries that tend to be poor, and um, uh, in those countries, they can neither absorb our waste, nor can they ship their waste over to us. I don't know what to do with that. It's so big. Well, let's work through these objections. Are there more important issues than creation care? No, because you know why? It's all connected. It's all connected, all these issues. Just the example of uh, plastic being washed up on a, a beach in another country is connected to international relations and economics and power and income and often race. Yeah. Plastic in another country is an international issue, but it's also a national, a city, a county issue. How DC deals with waste management matters. And why does DC need to deal with waste management? Because we as individuals have trash, right? So, so, so it's interesting. Um, illustration. 
On Friday night, Phil and Mark and I went to the uh, sculpture garden to watch the jazz concert. It's free, it's wonderful, I recommend it. And, and our household is a bit of an enviro nerds. Okay, we like, we compost, we recycle, we have these conversations about it all the time. Uh, Phil a little less so, but he's getting there. And um, so, so, you know, we are like a 99% vegetarian household. Um, you know, like we're, you know, we're doing it, right? And so, because we're these enviro nerds, for dinner, we bought our recyclable bag and our recyclable um, you know, uh, water cups and our recyclable silverware, but we'd all had busy days. So we just stopped by Trader Joe's to get dinner for us. This is the dinner containers of three people for one meal. It's a lot of plastic just for one meal. And there's a high likelihood that our dinner containers will end up on the shores of Bangladesh. These issues are connected. And what should be for the better, but is often for the worst, we are all connected. So yeah, it's important. Okay, for those of you who say, well, come on, this isn't really a church issue, I just want to say, you know, um, creation is mentioned throughout scripture. About 10 years ago, a Bible was released called the Green Bible. Does anyone have the Green Bible? Oh, yes. Excellent. <laughs> All right, Paul. Good. And, and I don't know if you're used to red-letter Bibles. Red-letter Bibles are the Bibles where the words of Jesus are all highlighted in red because the words of Jesus are really important, so you want to emphasize that. Well, the Green Bible has all the words about creation printed in green. And you know what? There's a lot of green in the Bible. The word earth is mentioned a thousand times in the scripture. Guess what? The word heaven, 500 times. The word love, 500 times. There's something about creation in the scriptures that go together. From Genesis to Revelation, uh, the, the creation is mentioned as part and parcel of the holy scriptures. All right, now the last barrier that you may have is, it, I'm just overwhelmed, it's too much, it's too late, and I want to say, God is the God of hope. I am very concerned by the lack of the Christian voice in the environmental movement. If you look back to the history of environmentalism, modern environmentalism, very few Christians in fact, the Christians that get the press are the ones that are saying, it doesn't exist. That's a cry in shame. It's a, I think Christian care is very Christian, but so many of us have checked out. And I actually think Christians can be of great service to the environmental movement. Great, great service. We, because we're called to be people of hope. Not because we're naturally so hopeful, but because we worship the God of heaven and earth who loves all of his creation, all who is created, and he is at work. We don't worship a God who created everything and said, I'm out of here, you guys take care of it. But it is through his Holy Spirit in us and throughout creation, God is present with us. There is always hope for change, always hope for making things better. Let me give you a little bit of encouragement that, that we're already doing a couple of environmental acts, but you may not know that they're environmental acts. Every time you say grace at a meal, that is an environmental act. Because what you're doing is looking at this food and you're saying, God, thank you for giving us this food. And you're like, God, did, did, I think human, I think tractors, I think other people gave us our food and I, I know so-and-so cooked it. But, but 
But what it's acknowledging is there's something bigger than just us, that God is the one who ultimately provides the food. And so that's an environmental act every time we join God with what we eat. We are not alone in creation care. Now, one insight that Walter Brueggemann, who's a very cool theologian, said, he said, when you look at scriptures, you're not going to find the word nature. That word nature isn't used in the, in the Bible very much. Instead, the word creation is used. It's very interesting because nature implies a closed system. There's no verb, like I went naturing today, right? Nature is a noun. It's a closed system. Whereas creation has to do with something being created or formed or shaped. To have creation means you have a creator. So actually creation is a much more robust word than nature. Nothing wrong with nature, but creation is so much better because it implies um, movement. It's dynamic and that there's a, a creator who's a part of that. So I think one implication of that use of the word creation in the scriptures is we have a creator who loves us, who's at work, and so we can have some hope. All right, so what is our, um, we got all that, you guys on board with me? Can we get in some, some scripture? Okay, <laughs> finally. Um, so so the, the passage that, that Matthew read uh, from Genesis, the, we're gonna halfway through Genesis 1 to the beginning of Genesis 2 are the two creation accounts of, of our planet, of, of, of how uh, the planet was formed, how we were formed, um, actually the universe, but anyway, uh, that's, too much. Okay, so, uh, so Matthew read portions from both, and um, let me just talk about it a, a, a little bit. Uh, we picked up halfway through this first creation account. Remember, it's a poem of God said, let there be, and there was be, and it was good, and it was whatever day. So we kind of picked this up on the, the fifth day, and he, he, um, he's talking, he's addressing the animals, the, the animals of um, the air, the land, the water, and he's telling them to be fruitful, multiply and fill the space, okay? That's what the animals are supposed to do. Who else is supposed to do that? Next slide, we keep going in this Genesis. He's, he's making human beings, and this is what he says. We'll pick up in verse 28. God blessed them, blessed the human beings, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. They have the exact same, we have the exact same blessing as the animals. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Now, now, some people say, well, this is God's first commandment to people, right? You know, like, you humans, get to work, get busy. But the text doesn't say God commanded them. God told them. The first thing is, God blessed. The main verb there is God blessed them. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. A blessing to fill the earth, to all of that. That's, there's a blessing in that. Um, uh, you know, it's like he's saying to his living creation, go ahead, make more life, enjoy your welcome, this is your creation. Could you, could you get busy and make the next generation so they can enjoy it too? It's an invitation, this blessing. When couples struggle with infertility, in addition to the pain of not being able to conceive a child, comes the strain on their sex life. That was, was once fun and pleasurable is now like, hey, we better get, this is, a, this is the window, you know, that it becomes, it becomes a chore, it becomes a challenge. It's no longer a blessing. But God's intention that making life and caring for life in all of its forms, plant life, animal life, human life, it should be a blessing. Okay, there's two more things that God said to, to uniquely to humans. Now, he doesn't say it to the other creative uh, uh, created creatures, he said, uh, be fruitful, multiply, and then he has these verses. This is the ones that nobody likes, right? Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion, or some translators say rule, dominion or rule 
over the animals. Again, the context, subduing and um, having dominion or rule is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. There's this power that we have as human beings that other living things don't have. But we don't like these words, subdue and have dominion, because we translate them in our head, ruin and destroy, napalm and slash burning, strip mine, no zoning laws, atomic bombs and acid rain. And, and in fact, many people have, have, have blamed this exact verse as the reason why our environment is in such trouble. And to be quite honest, some Christians have misinterpreted this verse and ripped it to shreds. You know why I think subdue and have dominion have to do with a gentle, kind of a, a taking care of animals. And like, you know, do you want to know why, where that comes from? Why do I think subdue and dominion has to do with something like take care of things in a peaceful, nice way? Because of the verse that comes after it. This is a, it's a, a wild, uh, not a wild verse, it's actually a very mellow verse. So, so okay, sorry, Rita, just don't look there, just for a minute. So if you take the words subdue and have dominion, wouldn't you expect the next thing is go, go, go eat those animals? You know what? More pesticides, <laughs> subdue, rule, dominion, you know, right? You think that, but that's not the verse. The next verse, 29. This is how the mighty God speaks to us about subduing and having dominion. See, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's beyond the face of the earth, and every tree with seed. This is your food. Huh? That's, that connects with subdue and dominion? Plants and seeds? And the, oh, yeah, yeah, and let me tell you, here's what the animals eat. They eat plants, too. And because you have dominion over them, you've got to take care of them, so you better know what their diet is. Fascinating. If subdue and dominion has to do with destruction or force, why is the following verse about plants? No, subdue and dominion means having the power and authority to care, to have flourishing, to have peace. I have an aside I'm not going to make because I don't have time, but I actually believe based on Genesis here and later in Genesis 9, I think people were originally intended to be vegetarians and animals too. I don't have time for that. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was the first, that was the first, um, that was the first uh, uh, creation account. And you notice that first account, seven days is rhythm. Uh, God said and there was, all that, this kind of, it's, it's the big, it's about the cosmos, it's really big. Um, and speech is how creation happens in the first account. Speech, God said and it was. Okay, the second creation count, Matthew read part of it, um, is, is actually really small. It's quite intimate. Uh, the, the garden is the scene and the way that creation happens is through touch, through touch. Uh, this second creation account is quite intimate, and there's two foci. One is um, about human beings, and the other foci is about trees. Uh, so verse 7, let's talk about the humans for a minute. It's a beautiful verse, one of the most beautiful verses. The Lord God full, formed the man from the gust, dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The two elements of our human heritage are mentioned here. We come from the earth, we come from the dust, and we're breathed on by the breath of God. Those are the two components of being human. We come from the earth, we're connected to the earth, and we're connected to the very breath of God. 
awesome. Awesome, awesome. So connected to the earth. We're made, we're made from the dust of the earth. We have the same chemicals in our bodies, the same minerals as animals and plants in the ground. Same. We're connected. Um, and, and because we're born of the dust, we're born of the earth, uh, I think we do better when we're outside. Question, how many people here during the summer is going to go camping or hiking? Yeah, it's a lot of people. That's a lot. Because we, we think it's really, you know, feels good to be outside. Uh, have you guys heard of forest bathing? It's this crazy. It's so funny. It's a, so I've seen these ads for come, come forest bathing. I'm like, oh, is that like, what is that? Does it close? No clothes? What is that? But, 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 uh, <laughs> but all it is, all it is is forest bathing is taking a walk through the park, but walking maybe a little bit slower and noticing how it feels on your skin, noticing the sounds of the forest, you know, textures. And, and the funny thing is, is they're offering a $35 tour at the Arboretum to go forest bathing, and I'm like, oh no, I go for free, right? I know, I know how to walk in the Arboretum for free and enjoy nature, right? But, but it's so funny that that is growing, that that's a thing, forest bathing, you know? Uh, there's also doctors who, instead of prescribing pills, are prescribing um, uh, a, walk in, a walk in the park. Actually, you know, oh, here's what, oh, yep, I've examined you. I want you to take a half hour walk in the park every day. There's something, again, we're earth people. We do better. We do better when we're around creation. Uh, more scriptural warrant for that. This, the other uh, aspect of the second creation account is about trees. And just very quickly, you see in, in verse 9 that the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight. Yeah, pleasant to the sight and good for food. I get why God makes trees that are good for food, because we need to eat. But why the heck would God make trees that are pleasant to the sight? What's the purpose of that? What, where's the utilitarianism of that? There's nothing. There's just something about beauty. Something about beauty that just draws us to God. Awesome. Okay. But back to the whole breathing. So, so we talked about how we're, we're people of the... Uh, people of the earth, but we're also born of God's breath. We don't just come from the earth. So, so it says that God gathers the dust and he breathes. Picture this. This is a very, I don't think God has hands or face, but, but the way that this is written, it's written like God does, right? That God picks up the dust from the ground, and with his hands, he shapes it into a human being, and then what? He breathes. He breathes onto that human, and it becomes alive. That's wild. I think God kissed Adam awake, in a sense. I think Adam's first experience, the first sense, was the breath of God on him. And the second, when he opened his eyes, was the face of God looking at him. We are people born of the breath of God as well. Um, Andrea, come up here. So in the... In the, in the <laughs> The Maori people in uh, New Zealand have a way that they greet one another. It's called hongi, and this is how they do it. Maybe that's from Genesis 2. I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> it's beautiful. We are people of the earth, and we are people of the breath of God. And when you know that you're from the earth, you take care of it, because it's a part of you. 
But when you also know that you're full of the breath of God, the all-loving and all-powerful God, well, that should give you hope. That should give you power. That should give you some focus. So I think as we think of creation care, we would do well to soak ourselves in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, maybe it's scripture bathing. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> so, so in response, what then must we do? We have got to do something, folks. We have got to do something. Um, and go on to the next. Uh, uh, because stories, I think, propel us more than scolding and shaming. I'm going to represent, I'm going to ask you to watch two more movies. Um, one is Wally. -E. It came out about 10 years ago. It is um, one of uh, my uh, favorite movies because it's so dang prophetic. Really? Oh, I hope that, well, anyway. Um, and it, it, and Wally -E depicts a future of, of creation if we do not engage in creation care. But, like every Pixar movie, it ends with hope. So I think that's a really good one. Um, if some of you like more artsy films, mostly in black and white and foreign language, um, there is a movie called Salt of the Earth, um, or it's in Portuguese. What? Do you know what it is? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, Salt of the Earth. It's in Portuguese with English subtitles. And it's about a famous Brazilian photographer, Sebastião Saldado, who becomes famous through his photographs of famine and other um, ecological disasters and human disasters. However, later in his life, he does something surprisingly ecological. And I'm not going to tell you. Um, I'll leave that as a surprise. But these are, again, another movie of hope. And I, I, those are so two summer movies. You want summer movie night? I, I picked them for you. Because we, we need visuals along with the words. Okay, so what then must we do? So you've watched these movies, you've got some images, you've got you know, Genesis, what do we do? Um, after we watch, we learn. I, had, uh, I got together with uh, Meredith Daniel in our church. She's not here right now because she works with food justice and she's at the DuPont Circle uh, the market. Yes, farmer's market right now. And I said, hey, Meredith, like, are there other people at Christ City that are involved in environmental work? And she's like, oh yeah. And then she started rattling names off of people. And I'm like, Durr. we have a lot of we have a lot of resources here, and I think we can learn from each other. So that's the other thing I want us to do is, you know, can we get together with folks who are thinking about some of this creation care and I don't know, maybe do a seminar in August or later. Um, I, I don't know, there's just a lot that we could do. So I want us all to learn, but here's the main thing I want you to do. I want you to do something. I'm not gonna talk about international stuff or even local stuff right now. I'm just going to talk about church here and talk about us as individuals. Um, Church-wise, we can totally make our events zero waste. And I'm not, I, I have so much respect for folks on the hospitality team and the amazing community lunch team and our outreach. They work hard, and, and God forbid that I would add another burden. So I'm not doing that. I'm just, and I'm offering to make it happen. But it would not be hard. It would not be hard, at least, for us to have some zero-waste events. We just kind of get the retraining in the right bins and get rid of it. But it's not hard. And wouldn't it be great to say, well, at least we're not adding to the problem. Maybe we're just neutral. Maybe that's how we start. Um, our, our church in Berkeley did that. And I was there in May, and we had two meals together. And it was so funny. Like, there was no trash at the end. It's like, hmm, kind of impressive for all these people. We can do it. They're not that much better than us. <laughs> um, also, our, our church in Berkeley also uses a company called TerraCycle, and they work to recycle really hard things like Brita water filters and uh, Bosch and Loam contact lenses and uh, Colgate toothpaste stuff. 
and, and so that's something where quarterly our church, the church in Berkeley brings stuff to church and people just sort it and send it back out. That's something we could do. So those are just two ideas. Um, we have a lot more, but that's a couple things. I'll talk to the elders. Anyway, um, okay, okay, the other thing, so that's church-wise, but what can we do as individuals, all right? We can't say, well, it's those people, those countries, um, they need to do something. Each of us needs to do something. Guess what, gang, when it comes to creation care, we are all complicit. There are no good guys. Each one of us are bad guys in this. Good thing we have a savior. And I'm not going to just tell you a bunch of things. You guys know about bringing bags and you know, all that stuff. You need help composting, talk to me. But, but there's all kinds of things. I'm not going to bore you with a list of what, what, what you should do. But can you just do the next step? If you're already doing one great thing, what's the next good thing you can do, right? If you're not doing anything, just start. If you're doing everything, we'll just do a little bit more. Again, just one individual step. Don't, don't worry, you're not going to stop there, because then I think the Holy Spirit will compel you to do the next thing. Uh, again, and, and, and this also involves letter writing to corporations, you know, kind of bigger macro things too, but what's the next step we can do? There's always a next step. What I want to leave you with, I want you to leave you with the phrase, and God blessed them. That it's a blessing when we engage in cre creation care. It is a blessing. It's good for us. It's good for our creation. Because we're people made of the earth and made of the breath of God. Let me pray. God, thank you for um, your scriptures. They're beautiful. And though we want to live that way, we want, uh, I guess we can't go back to Eden now, but can we make earth more like Eden? Lord, would you show us how to do that? I want to pray that particularly as a church community here at Christ City, but also um, individually as well. Amen.